0: Welcome back to the Home with Havilah podcast. We are so excited that you're here. This week, we're sharing another timely message from a preaching that Havilah did at Bethel in the past. Havilah is tackling the spirit of fear head on, unpacking what fear really is and how to deal with it by using the tools God has given us. Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 14 says this,
1: After I looked things over, I stood up and I said to the nobles and the officials and the rest of the people, don't be afraid. If you're an underliner or a circler, I want you to just underline three things in this passage. I want you to circle it, underline it. Whatever you need to do, I want you to get this down. Do not be afraid of them. Underline that. Don't be afraid. Remember the Lord. Underline that. You can put a little two next to it if that helps you. Who is great and awesome and fight, underline the word fight, he, for your families, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. You know, the Lord, I love this passage because Nehemiah is coming in, and he's trying to rebuild the walls of the city, and he's scared. He was a cutbearer and he has a burden for his generation. He has a burden for his culture, just like you came here. You know, you have a burden for your generation and your culture. That's why you're here. You spent hundreds of dollars to come to a little town called Reading to come and receive because you're saying, God, I want the culture that I'm a part of to be changed. I want to be a vessel in your kingdom. I want to be a part of it. And whether it's a hand or a foot or a mouth, I don't care. I just want to do something for your kingdom. And the Lord loves that about you. And that's what Nehemiah is doing. Nehemiah is in this season when God has, has, he's heard about his people. He's heard that they are in destruction and and he says, Let me go back and build the walls of this city. And as we go into chapter four, we find that he's trying to build these, these walls and they are ridiculing them. They are critiquing them. They're saying to the Jews are, you know, they're, they're, they want them to die. He's having to put watchmen so that they're not getting killed. And then all of a sudden, he gets up to do a speech before the people and he tells them these simple words: don't be afraid. Remember the awesomeness of God and fight. Fight, fight, fight. And as I'm reading these words, I'm brought to the sense. And tonight my message is entitled, we're talking about the spirit of fear. And I wanna expose a few things in our culture and as a leader, if you are, and I believe you are because if you are serving God, I believe everyone is a leader in their own right and they all have a position, whether it's a professional or a pastoral or whatever it is, or if you're just a mom, which I am most of the time, I have my own little congregation of four. And you know that's my congregation and I'm a leader. But most of the time, what I'm finding is that there is this spirit of fear that comes over us. And, um, you know, there are two things that the Israelites had to deal with before they got into their promised land. One was unbelief, and the other was fear. And I felt like there were some of you in this room tonight where you're between a rock and a hard place in your life. I felt like there were some of you that have left Egypt in your life. You've left what you knew you were not, what you knew was second best, what you knew that you didn't have, the Spirit of God was not on it. And God has led you on this journey. And now you are not yet in your promised land. And I wanna say to you that one of the greatest attacks on your life as a leader is fear. And I wanna take you through three fears that I have dealt with as a leader of 17 years. Like I said, I have four kids. I run an organization called Moral Revolution here. It is a purity movement that's based in writing curriculum and resources where we teach people how to live a healthy life Predominantly in their sexuality, and we teach them that that God did not uh, is not afraid of sex. He's not embarrassed of sex. In fact, He gave you your sex drive, so you can't pray it away. <laughs> but we are also called to steward that well. And how do we do that? Because most of the time in our generation, we get our needs met by our sex, sexuality. And that's what we're taught, that you can get most of your needs met in the bedroom if you if you just figure it out. And we just believe that's a lie, that that was not what you were called to have, that the bedroom was meant to be for covenant and for safety and security and for a man to choose a woman and a woman to choose a man for life for the rest of their life. And so we we're kind of going after that. But i we run that organization. And then I myself travel two to three times a month also teaching. And so here I am, I'm navigating two ministries, four kids, being a pastor, living in a city where none of my family lives. And here I am, I'm trying to navigate my life as a young leader. And can I just be honest? It's really hard. Like there is no prayer time that's going to remove how hard that is. You can't give your kids away once you've given birth to them. How many of you, I don't know if you know that. People don't adopt other people's kids like that, you know. If you've give, if you've given birth to them, so you know it's it's one of those things where I'm having to navigate. And what has been interesting for me is what I've had to deal with in my life. And I, I'm at the season when I think I shouldn't have to deal with it. You ever been in that stage? I shouldn't have to deal with this anymore. I'm a 36 year old woman. I've loved God since I was 17. I I mean I have fasted, I have prayed. I've been godly. I mean, I have said no. I have said yes. I have, I've been tired. I've done it, I've done it tired. I've done it afraid. I've done, I mean, I, you said go and I've gone. You said jump and I said all high. I mean, God, I have been one of those that have very rarely said no to God. And even in the midst of having a pretty good track record, I still have had to deal with fear. And the funny part is, is that if you look at my life on the outside, it looks like I'm fearless and I am not fearless. But what I've exposed is what fear is and I know how to deal with fear. And that's what I wanna teach you a little bit tonight because no matter where you are, whether you're in the business world or whether you're trying to figure out what you are or you are on a sabbatical, whatever it is, God wants you to have these tools to learn how to deal with it. So what I have learned is that fear is a part of it. And how do we deal with fear? So, Nehemiah, the first thing Nehemiah does is he teaches his people, don't be afraid. And what I have learned is that fear are two things. Number one, fear is a spirit. If you're taking notes, that I would write that down. Fear is a spirit. And what we do know is that we have to get fear off of us. And you know, fear is not for the faint at heart. I mean, think about it. God told Moses, don't be afraid. God told Joshua, don't be afraid. God told Mary, don't be afraid. God told Peter, don't be afraid. These are not lightweights. These are not like, well, who are these people? No, no, they're the people we read about, we preach about, we talk about. Are they like just living God? No. Are they like major leaders? Yeah. Are they like once they they were leaders, then they didn't deal with fear? No. I mean, Joshua... God kept telling them over and over, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Jeremiah, don't be afraid. In fact, if you don't say what I'll tell you to say, I'll embarrass you in front of them. How's that for motivational? But what I've learned is that fear is a spirit that we have to get off of us and it wants to come and hang out with us. Fear is mentioned 500 times in the Bible. So it's not just, well, you know, I'm pretty courageous. I, fear is very sneaky, and we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how it motivates us. So 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, For God did not give us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. This is where we're going to camp tonight. I love what the Amplified says. It says, For God did not give us the spirit of timidity, of cowardice, Cringing, fawning fear. I love that thought. Like, he didn't give us a spirit where we need to be afraid. He didn't give us a spirit of backing off, of, oh, I don't know. No, no. He gave us a different type of spirit, it says, but he gave us a spirit of power, of love, of calm, and a well-balanced mind. How many of you know fear really starts in the mind? Fear hangs out in the mind, and it loves to make a way in your thoughts. And fear has a way of convincing you that it's true. Because, and we've learned about this a little bit, fear and fact are two different things to God. Fact is reality, but truth is his reality. And we've got to learn to decipher that in our lives. And so we find it's a well-balanced and a disciplined and self-controlled mind. You can't be brave and fearful at the same time. You're gonna have to choose what kind of leader you wanna be. Are you going to operate in fear? Are you going to operate in faith? Are you going to believe what God says? Are you going to believe what the devil says? I just have learned it's kind of that simple. Are you going to allow your mind to play out every foul thing that could go wrong? Are you going to put your faith in him that says, you know what? Even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Because your rod and your staff, they comfort me. There's a confidence that happens in us as leaders that we have to get a hold of. And I just want to say this. In this generation, there is a fear that's coming on us which says you don't get to speak out against cultural things that go against what the world believes. You're not allowed to talk against homosexuality. You're not allowed to talk against abortion. You're not allowed to talk about people that are promiscuous. You're not allowed to talk about, and we're getting, we're not going to talk about all that tonight, so calm down. But I'm just saying, you're not, allowed to, you're not allowed to talk about anything that would paint anybody in a bad picture. You need to be loving, gracious. And I am so after love and grace. I, I absolutely am. I mean, I'm like, if you don't feel loved, I don't want to talk to you about your sin until you feel loved. Like, that's kind of where I'm at in my life. But but what I'm finding is if we're going to be leaders in this generation, we're going to have to have a conviction and conviction is knowing what's right and wrong no matter what anybody else tells us and the only way we know what's right and wrong is through the word of god and through you know we can't the legalism is adding to the word or taking away from the word is religion so when we add or take away things we have to know we have to know what does the word say because the voices of the earth will become so convincing and the fear that wants to that wants to silence us from being powerful women and men is it's it's crazy. And so what I'm learning is that if you have the spirit of fear on you, you don't get to operate with the spirit of love, with the spirit of power and a, and a spirit of a sound mind. I believe that there is something called a spirit of power. You don't get to be powerful, you don't get to be honest, you don't get to be loving, you don't get to be have a sound mind because you're full of fear. And we've got to get it off of us. I I have had many situations where I've had to get fear off of me. Fear is also a feeling. Fear is a feeling that comes up. And just because we feel fear, it doesn't mean that we are fearful. I'll say that again. Just because we feel fear doesn't mean we're fearful. How many of you know the devil could say anything about you and the only power is if you take it? That's the only power he has. And so fear comes up, and all of us experience fear, but if we take a hold of it, then it's us, and we own it, and it's who we are. But if we we say, that's not me. I once was, but not anymore. It's when we resist those lies that we begin to walk in truth, yeah? So just because someone throws something to you doesn't mean you have to catch it. And so in your leadership, just because you're sitting and your boss treats you a certain way doesn't mean that's who you are. Just because your coworkers talk about you that way doesn't mean that's who you are. Just because your dad had a different plan for you and you didn't do the plan he had for you doesn't mean that you're a failure. Just because that guy or girl didn't pick you to marry doesn't mean that you're not lovable. These are things that we can pick up, but we've gotta say, I'm not, that's not, I'm not picking that up. And I think what's fascinating in our generation is that fear robs us of love and power and a sound mind. The first type of fear that I've I've seen and I had to deal with in my own life was the fear of insignificance. The fear of insignificance. You know, I think our generation is very keen on wanting, and Banning talked about it last yesterday. He doesn't want to have an insignificant church. I don't want to have an insignificant ministry. I don't want to be an insignificant leader. That's really true. You ever felt that way? I don't want to live... And know like, well, what did I really do with my life? And am I past my prime? And did I really accomplish what I wanted to? And there's this kind of battle that we have. But if we don't deal with insignificance, then we will do a lot of things to create significance. And usually we make our stupidest decisions when we feel insecure. And we will reach for anything to get us to feel secure. I've told this story before, but when I was first... um, serving the Lord, I was 17, and I battled with a lot of fear. I'm not a fearful person by nature. I'm actually, my dad used to call us the lion and the lamb, and I was the lion, and I have a very aggressive personality. I know it's shocking that you you probably didn't see that, but I'm, I'm kind of aggressive, but I was very fearful because I was horrible at school, and I was, I was a very, um, I was not good at education. I came from a family of very educated people. My grandfather was an Italian immigrant who was a shine boy that worked his way up um, on a boat, came over from, to New York State, worked his way from being an attorney to a Supreme Court Justice of New York State. So that's kind of the the blood that I have in me, and so all of my families are doctors and attorneys, and they're in the legal system and you know in the government. And so here I am, the girl that can barely pull a C, and I am humiliated. I know. I mean, I'm around. Everyone's picking colleges at twelve and thirteen, and I'm trying to pick like a trade school, possibly like hairdressing and i'm like that's just not going to be me and so i dealt with a lot of insecurity and and i remember feeling very humiliated in class settings i didn't i was not a classic learner i didn't learn like everybody else seemed to learn and i was very lost so when i came to christ i dealt with this part of me where i didn't necessarily feel like i had a lot to offer him has anybody ever felt that way it's like I'm not a rock star singer, you know. I'm not a rock star speaker. I don't. I'm not really brilliant in this way. I, I don't really know how my life is going to f- meet your needs. You ever felt that way with God? I, I would really love it if you would just make me amazing in one area, so that I could just kind of rock this for you, and we could just resolve this, and I could be. I could be amazing. And 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 so there's a there's a part of us when we when we're coming to. Um, when we, when we begin to see our own human weakness and we've dealt with that and managed that for many, many years, even though we come into the new our, our newness in Christ, the Bible says we're covered in the righteousness of Christ and we become a new man, it doesn't mean that our old patterns go away all the time. Some, some of them do, and I pray that that happens. But many times, listen, God will not take everything away from us. He'll, he'll ask us to walk through it so that we can help other people. God doesn't deliver us of things at times, not because he's mean, not because he's trying to torture you, but he's actually trying to show you what it is to grow up in God, to take him seriously and to see deliverance in your life and freedom in your life so you can turn around and help somebody else in the process. Some of you are stuck right now. You go, why am I stuck? Because God is saying your life your calling, your future is dependent upon what you're learning right now so you can turn around and help people. people. And you're, you're asking me just deliver, to deliver you and you're missing the whole point. You don't, there's a, a, a lot of people waiting for you on the other side of your obedience. And you, you, you're, you're missing the point. My, my, my goal is not to make your life easy. My goal is that you would be a part of my kingdom and help people. And humility, listen, humility is being willing to walk through hard things with a clean heart and a pure heart and a humble heart and say, God, I'm willing to actually go through this for the sake of those that you want to reach. And I don't need to stay in a place of being defeated, but I'm okay, I'm on my way. And so insignificance I battled with, and there was a point when uh, I had this kind of desire to speak and to, to lead, and I thought I was going to be a worship leader. I was convinced that I was going to be a worship leader, and I, you know, took lessons, and I played guitar and a little bit of piano, and I began to be a worship leader, and I was convinced that that's what I was going to do, and I spent eight years being a worship pastor at a church, and I was convinced that's where I was going, and, but I had dealt with this fear of speaking in front of people, so I was singing is different than speaking. Can we just get an amen for that? I think worship leaders have it way easier. Do not quote me on that. I'm kidding, but so I'm, I'm terrified and I, these guys asked me, will you come and speak uh, a testimony after worship? And I said yes. Have you ever said yes to something and then realized you should never have said yes to it? Had, like a race or getting up early to something. So I'm like, I, I realize like I'm about to get up in front of 6,000 people and share my story. And I, I, I took a zero in my English class in front of 25 people. This is not going to go well. And so I go into full-blown panic. I run around the building at this big, it's Mont auditory Auditorium, this large building, and worship is going. 6,000 people are singing their hearts out, and I'm in the back of the building having a panic attack, like a full-blown, anybody have a, had a panic attack and still love God? Okay, awesome. So I'm having this panic attack. I can barely breathe, and I'm thinking, like, Jesus, come back now. Like, I have never wanted you to come back more than now. Like, I... The spirit and the bride say, come. And I'm willing to say, come. You ever felt that way? Just come. How about in the middle of birth? But anyway, okay, so. So I'm panicking. And my dad runs around the building to find me because he knows it's about to end. And I'm, I'm sobbing, I'm crying. He goes, what's going on? I'm, I can't do this, there's no way I can do this. Just tell him I can't do this. And, and, and I am like over, completely out of control. I have totally lost it. And he grabs me by the shoulders and he says this to me, Havala. and it, it marked me for the rest of my life. If you don't look at fear as your enemy, it will one day defeat you. If you don't look as fear as your enemy, it will one day defeat you. And what I didn't know what he was saying is, is that there's a spirit of fear that wants to get on you at this, at 17, that wants to dominate you for the rest of your life. What I didn't know, and what he didn't know, was that God was gonna use my voice to speak to thousands of my generation. I didn't know that, I just knew that there were 25 people that I didn't wanna get up in front of, and now 6,000 was the worst thing in the world to do. And I just wanna say that over you. If you don't look at fear as your enemy in your life right now, it will will defeat you. God will not veto your free will to make you courageous. Some of you go, God, just make me courageous. No, God's not gonna make you courageous. He's not gonna get in there and make you courageous. Your job is to do it afraid. Your job is to be obedient. Your role is to say, whatever you say, I'll say. Whatever you do, I'll do. And what you haven't, and what we don't know many times, is that when we, when we step out to obey God, and listen, this is important for a lot of you wherever you are, what you have not calculated is the anointing that comes when you obey God. So all you can do is calculate, well, if I do this, what's the worst thing that can happen? Well, you know, they'll hate me for the rest of my life and I'll never preach again. And then, you know, I'll I'll have to figure out something else. And I mean, you you can go through all that. But what you don't know is that when you obey God, God begins to put his super on your natural and make you a supernatural Christian. He begins to give you something you did not have before. And you can't calculate anointing. All you can calculate is risk and obedience. And if you do it, the Lord, the Lord tells you that he will be faithful to us. And so significance is an issue. And I remember feeling this battle of how do I, you know, the, the lie that the enemy says is, you don't have what it takes. That's the lie. You don't have, you've never had what it took. You're not very charismatic. You don't know how to gather people. You're not the sharpest tack. You're not actually that cute. You know, you're 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 not your parents' favorite and, and he begins to work overtime on us to let us know that you are not absolutely capable of being who you're called to be. And I believe that 50 I would say 75% of Christians get stuck right at this fear. They get stuck at the I don't think I can be who God's called me to be, so I will just check out, live life and pay my dues pay my tithe, love people, but I will not be powerful because I don't have what it takes. And let me say this, if you are waiting for something or someone to happen in your life so that you can feel significant, when you get to that, you will not feel significant. Because significance is an inside job, it's not an outside job. And significance has to come from a knowing that you are loved, and that you are a lover of God, and therefore you are successful, like Mike Bickle talks about. Therefore, your success is enough. And what we have, and Banning referenced this, but what we do in life listen, listen, this is so important. What you are doing right now is simply an assignment God has given you, but it is not who you are. I'm a mom right now, I'm a pastor right now. I'm doing what I've been assigned to do. But at the end of the night, when the lights go out and everything happens, I sit before God and I am his daughter. I am his, I'm his, his, his servant. He is mine. I am his. Done deal. And the only way to get rid of fear of significance in your life is a love encounter. That's it. If you don't know God loves you, from the deepest core of who you are at your ugliest, if you don't know that he loves you and you don't have to do another thing to get his attention, he is not mad at you, he is not sad, he's not angry, he's not overwhelmed by your attitude, he's not checking yes or no over your life, he has already said yes and will continue to say yes over you for the rest of your life, no matter if you never do another thing, If you know that that's how he feels about you, you're going to be safe. You know, something I've said here before, but we don't grow in God, and we don't do these type of things to make us more significant. And and we've talked about this, but if I was to walk and pick up an old penny and a new penny, and I held them in front of you, what value would they both have? The same, Yeah. So why do we come to conferences like this? Why do we have these amazing, gorgeous books? Whoever made those, good job. Why do we fly people in and write things and talk on teams? And why do we do all, why do we do this as a, as a, as a Christian culture? Have you ever wondered that? Like, what, why? Are we trying to get God's attention? No. God, we have his attention. The only reason we do things like this is because we want to be effective, and, and significance and being effective are two different things, meaning your identity of who God's called you to be will never change. You being effective is absolutely your responsibility. God absolutely wants you to grow in your effectiveness and God knows what he gave you and he knows what treasure you hold and he knows what you're hiding. And it doesn't matter if you have one talent or a half a talent like I felt like, If you give him that, it's his job. It's his job to multiply it. It's your job to give it. Some of you, I just want to say this over you. You're discouraged where your life is at right now. You feel like you should be further along than you are. You feel like you should have got the job. You should have had the education. You should have had the the marriage. You should have had the baby by now. You should have, and I just want to say over you, your timeline is is not God's timeline. The Bible says that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. it. So it means that whatever he's begun, he will continue in your life. And you're not done yet. And there's something about our generation where there's this anxiety that we need to be amazing by like 30. Can I just get an amen to that? If you're not amazing by 30, if you have not married the most gorgeous man, had the most gorgeous kids, driving the best car, you know, planning the best vacations, having the best ministry, whatever all that is, then you're not a success. And that is a lie from the pit of hell. Those things are bonuses to having a great, well, it's great. Did you deserve the wife you got? Most of you did not. A lot of you married up. No, okay, listen. (laughs) Do you deserve the job? There's always going to be someone better than you coming in. It's not about us being like the most amazing. Can we just like decode all of this? Like if my fear is that I have to be the best, there's always going to be someone cuter right behind me. So I better just be obedient to what God's asked me to do and it's an assignment and it comes and goes, but it's not who I am. If you're battling with, I don't know if I have what it takes, I wanna say, you'll never have what it takes. Because it wasn't your responsibility to have what it takes, your responsibility was to serve a God who is able. And God is able. Whether you feel like it or not, did you know it doesn't matter what you feel about God, does not change his character. You have no idea what he's about to do with your life. Like, just look at me. I'm about to mom you. (laughs) You have no idea what he has for your life. He is thrilled with your life. The Bible says that he put you in this generation on purpose. The Bible says that David left his generation when his purpose was complete, which means that I can be fully confident that you being in this generation was not because your parents decided to have a good time one night. You're here because God said, God, I want that woman in that generation. She has something this generation needs. I want that man in that generation, in that state, with that family, in that community, because he has something that he possesses the likeness of God. Come on. The likeness of God in his workplace. And those people aren't going to know about me unless he begins to shine like me. Some of you want to be ripped out of your workplaces, and I'm saying, why don't you be Jesus? Just be Jesus. You go, what does that mean? I don't know. I have no idea what that means for you because I don't know what God's asking you to do. Just be obedient. Yeah. Some of you, you're thinking, what's going on? And I'm saying, you're just in your wilderness. Calm down. You're just being developed. Well, I don't know. Should I be? It's okay. It's okay. You're not going to miss it. Like, I just want to like dumb all of that down for you. Look look at me. You're not going to, God wants you to get it more than you want to get it. God has huge investment in you. He's not like, well, I gave, they didn't go to the church service that I was going to speak to them at. Too bad. Good luck. Too bad, Pastor Todd, wherever you are, you missed your word. If you're in here, don't come back. Don't come up to me tonight. I'm not giving you a word. No, listen. I'm teasing. But listen, God is going to, he, I, I, I just, there's something in our lives that the older I've gotten in the Lord, the more I just trust him. If he wants me to get it, I'm going to get it. He's not mean. He's not cruel. Well, should I, I should be married. Did I miss the guy? No, listen. You're not going to miss the guy or the girl. It's just an earthly husband or spouse. You've got the best spouse already. Calm down. You're you're in the best place. The Bible says, unless you have to get married, don't. So the people next to you that got married, they're just perverts. They had to get married. No, no, that's not. Do not tweet that. Do not tweet that. If you're not married, you're just, you know, you're the pure. You're the pure. You will see, the, you will see God. No, I'm kidding. Okay, so. <laughs> Title, position, influence, income is a dangerous foundation to build for significance. There is no fear, the Bible says in 1 John four eighteen, in love. But perfect love drives out fear. You want to get fear out of your life? Have a love encounter. How do you have a love encounter? Find out how much God loves you. Stop trying to love God more. Find out how much he loves you. And his love will give, will give you a hunger for to love him back. The Bible says because he first loved us, we love him, yeah? So we need to encounter his love all the time. And however that looks like for you, you need to do it. The truth is that you've been given the spirit of love and significance comes from who you are, not what you do. Fear makes us withhold love. You, can't, you cannot have, wherever you are in your life, you can't have a spirit of fear and a spirit of love operating at the same time. So you get to choose, life and death, are you gonna have a spirit of love? Or are you gonna be so fearful you'll withhold love until someone deserves it? You see, how you react says everything about you and how they react says everything about them. How you choose to respond in life is ev- has everything to do with what's on the inside of you. And you living an abundant life is completely in your grasp. Why? I believe that you can live an abundant life without anyone else participating. I believe you can live an abundant and joyful and encouraging life in God without anyone else participating. Because the kingdom of heaven is within, it is not from without. So your ability to figure out who you are in the midst of wherever you are will keep you safe. You know, for me, my significance, I, how many of you have found that God will set up humbling experiences so you'll find out where your significance really lacks? like hang, hangs out. You know, for me, I cleaned houses for six years. And so God called me into ministry while I was a house cleaner. So anytime I felt amazing, I would, on a Monday morning, put on my sweats, slick my hair back, and go clean toilets. For years, six years, I would clean toilets. I would bring my little tape player with my little tapes. Remember those? You put it into a tape player. It's, you'll have to Google it. And you put it in. How many you remember when the tape would come out and you get the pencil? And then you would hope that it wouldn't fold. Does anybody remember that? Who does not remember that? That, I can't, I don't even want to look at you. So listen. And I would put my tape in and I would listen, listen. And I was in Bible school in the midst of cleaning houses. Listen, you can be trained wherever you are. You don't need, some of you don't need Bible school. Some of you need Bible school. You need to get the heck out of where you are. But there are some of you that you're waiting for someone else to make you spiritual. You're waiting for the environment to make you spiritual and holy and integrous. And I'm telling you, no environment is powerful enough to change what's going on in the inside of you. And so you might as well learn to be who you're called to be where you are. And if God moves you into seasons and let him move you into seasons, but don't force the hand of God so that you can change on the inside what he already wants to do right now within you and empower you so that you can know. I knew that I could be spiritually fed cleaning houses. I knew that I could be trained spiritually and I knew that my significance came from me being a daughter of God and growing in God, but I had to learn that. So that, that lie is that we are not significant without having certain things. How do we find our unique significance? I would just say three things. How do you learn your unique significance? First thing, you, you need to figure out what you really believe about yourself. What do you really believe about yourself? You know, I, I had to go after core beliefs as a young woman. I would read, you know, uh, Jeremiah 29, 11. Before I knew, formed Before I knew you, I formed in the womb. I would read Acts chapter two. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. I would read, you know, Ephesians 4, 1. Live a life of the calling you've received. I would read John ten ten. 10. I mean, I would begin to read these passages and it began to shape my core value. And that began to make me, no matter what the environment dictated to me, it kept me safe. You can't be safe if you don't know the word. The word is foundational. You go, well, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a leader. You're a believer in Christ. And the word is him in word. And there's a man between the pages that we're looking for. And it's Jesus. And Jesus is the one that's going to anoint you to do what you're called you to do. So what do you believe about yourself? Number two, what makes you unique? You know, I, I quoted Jason Valentin this morning in a session, but I'll say it again. Jason says, listen, what, who, how do you know what you're supposed to be doing? What are you good at? This whole thing in the world is like, what is your heart saying? God put gifts in you that, that God put in you. You go, well, I don't know. Everyone just tells me their secrets. Maybe you have an anointing for people that can, you can counsel. Well, people just always ask me about money. Maybe you have an anointing of wisdom. Well, people, you know, for me, I I had an anointing to gather people. Whether it was for good or bad, I gathered people. (laughs) Well, I was the teepee gatherer. I mean, we teepee houses a lot. And I would gather lots of people and we would do it. I remember in high school, I would have people come to me and they would go, I don't know what you're going to do, but you're going to talk to a lot of people in your life. Right? I'm thinking that girl was prophetic. She just didn't know it. So, what's the gift on you? And, and begin to develop that. And, and thirdly, are you connected to the whole? Which means your ability to know what you thrive at, which you are a rock star at, and what you really suck at is really important. The more that I can know what I am not good at, the better I'll become. I am not administrative. I have an amazing administrator in the room, Tiffany, and she's fantastic. If you expect an email back from me, you will wait a very, very long time. But there are people that have anointings on their life. And so some of you, the Bible says, you know, we're not all things to all men. Some of you are like, I want to do this, and I want to do this, and I want to do this. The reason you're not thriving is because you're trying to be amazing at everything. You find the one thing you're good at and don't drop it. You just go, that's what I am, I am that. If you're, you are a mom right now, then you rock at being a mom. And when the Bible says, I go into all the earth, that means go into your living room. Some of you, you're, you're good at you know blogging. You're good at writing. You're, you're good on the, in the workforce. You seem to gather people. And you go, why am I gathering? Because God has anointed you to do one thing really well. And the enemy would love you to ignore everything else you're good at and just point out your weakness. And I believe true leaders, brilliant leaders, are those people that are willing to ignore. I'm not saying, I'm not saying uh, moral weakness. I'm saying gifts and skills that they are not good at and go, that is not me and this is me. You have to literally become a bulldog on your gift. You, I mean, you have to go, this is me. You go, well, I feel like I'm supposed to be a worship leader. If no one's inviting you to lead worship, you may not be a worship leader. I'm not trying to be rude, but I'll tell you what your mom didn't tell you. (laughs) You go, well, I want to be a pastor. Well, are people following you? Well, I want, just because you have a credential doesn't mean that you have a gift. So what do people naturally gravitate towards you and begin to pull that in? I would never on paper be a speaker. But what I did know was when I began to speak, there was an anointing in the room and God began to change hearts and I began to realize there's an anointing on my life to do this, whether I like doing it or not. Remember, discipline turns to delight many times in God, yeah? But we begin to put our heart towards something and I spent eight years as a worship pastor having no idea that I would say goodbye to that completely. And God was preparing me as a worship pastor to be a speaker, so some of you go, well, I'm doing what I don't really want to do. No, you're in training. You're in Bible school right now. Well, I'm not in Bible school. I'm in work. And no, 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 no. This is training. Have someone pay you to do what you can learn. Learn, you know, learn how to deal with conflict. Learn how to deal with people. Learn how to love God. Learn how to have a quiet time with a 60-hour work week or an 80-hour. Learn how to be who you are and i've said this here before but favor comes when you're the best you are wherever you are favor comes when you are the best you are wherever you are and he can change the sh- he can change the direction of the ship and ultimately still lead you the second fear that i find with a lot of people in the church and what i've had to deal with is this whole thing about fear of pride can we just talk about this for a minute there's this whole thing in the church that everyone, I, I just get it all the time. People go, well, how do you know you're not being prideful? And I would like to say this. I'm the most humble person I know. No, I, I would like to say this. I'm kidding. The Bible, God is such a gracious dad that he sets up systems that keep us safe if we want him. And the Bible said that if you have pride in your heart, what comes next? A fall. A fall. Does it say, if you see someone with pride, trip them? (laughs) If you see someone with arrogance, make sure that they have a fall. No, no, he's already saying, it's already gonna happen. I've already set up a system for them. And so I feel like there's this part of us that keeps us all kind of powerless. Because God forbid we start to look prideful. And what I want to say is, if you are really serving God with your whole heart and doing what he's asked you to do, you'll be a little terrified in the midst of it. If you're really, I mean, giving 10, you know, 10% of our income or 15 or 20% away, that's scary. You know, praying for people when we can't see what's, what's, how many of you, it's scary. How many of you know, like, giving, not having a plan B, but working somewhere and going, this is what God's told me to do, that can be terrifying. That keeps us humble in the process. And what I have found is that God is faithful to humble us, but what we have done is we have masked humility with this part of us that's really fear. I don't want to look prideful, so I'm not gonna step out. I don't want to look prideful, so I'm not gonna pray for them. We'll let somebody else pray for them because I'm I'm still working on being humble. And I'm saying, no, you're powerless. You're weak. You're immature. Because part of being humble is stepping out and being a leader. And don't be so fearful of pride. Be fearful of being a coward. Be fearful of never living the life you were called to live because you were fearful that you wouldn't do it right. You know, I don't do everything perfect, but what I have found is that I am willing to take risks. And the risk takers, I'm telling you, we're the ones that changed the world. I I don't know, I have seen, not me, but I'm saying the people I'm watching. They're willing to gather 250 people in a little town in Redding, California to give them something. Risk. Eric and Candace, risk. Do you guys understand that we have not, this is our second year of doing something like this. Risk. We don't have any event like this. all We have thousands and thousands of people that come from all over the world and this is the first event that's like this. It was a risk to do this, to bring in those kind of communicators, outside communicators that aren't church pastors and preachers and pulpits, but people that have another voice outside in the world that are in the marketplace and influencers in this generation. It was a risk. How many of you are grateful for the risk takers in this culture? I'm so glad the 10 of us are, but I would say that there's so much more of that. So the fear of pride. You know, we, we end up learning these lessons. I, I, I've told this, but, you know, when I was a young woman, I, uh, my second speaking engagement, I was 17 and a half, and we go to this place in Arizona, and uh, we get up and we preach and we speak and we pray, and in the middle of our altar call, the pastor interrupts the entire altar call, shuts the whole meeting down. And I'm thinking, that did not go over very well, but I'm not very sharp, so I didn't know what had quite happened. So we go out to dinner that night, and the pastor, we, I I ignorantly said, so what did you think of the night? And he said, well, honestly, I don't believe in anything you did tonight. I don't believe in girls in ministry. I don't believe in what you preach. And if I had known that you would do what you did, I would have never had you. Really nice guy, really nice guy. No. And uh, I remember t- the breath being taken out of me at 17 and a half going, I listen. I didn't call. I, I didn't plan on this. I didn't know I was going to be doing this. So we ran home to my, to our our hotel. My parents were asleep. We woke them up, and I remember get, waking up, and my dad was there, and and we're just a mess. We're sobbing. We're like, this is the worst thing that could ever happen to us. Like it was just mean. It was just mean. And me, even at 36 right now, I'm like, the guy was a jerk. <laughs> That's how I felt. Just take that off the tape. So anyway just mean. He didn't, I don't think he knew what he was doing. He didn't know how vulnerable we were as these young girls. And um, I, I, we tell my dad the whole story, and he says this to us again, another marking moment in my life. He said, well, I guess you get to decide if man called you or God called you. Can I just be honest? I think we're all going to get to that point in our lives. we're gonna have to either decide, did God call me or did man call me? Did God put me in this position or did I put myself in this position? Did God call me to marry this person or did I just decide it? Ultimately, whatever we're doing, we've gotta decide, you know what, God, you're in this and I need to be a part of this. And the fear that, that happens so many times is that, you know, well, I don't, you know, am I trying to make something happen? God will set up situations for you that if you try to make something happen, he'll deal with you. He'll humble you. And you'll get to see what's really living on the inside of you. And I've had many hard times where I've I've thought, this is harder than I thought it was gonna be. You ever had that in life? This is not what I signed up for. I don't like this. I should have just married wealthy. And just called it a day. (laughs) And again, that would not resolve the problem story. But there's a part of us where we begin to realize that if I'm always scared of pride and wrong attitudes and doing it wrong, I'm never gonna do it. So I might as well be better at asking forgiveness and doing a do-over than I am at always trying to make it perfect. And the lie that many times hits us is that it's that lie of who do you think you are? So if it's not, you don't have what it takes, it's usually who do you think you are? And that's a lie that really comes at us. Who do you think you are? And I'm gonna say, who I am, I'm covered in the righteousness of Christ. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I am doing what God's called me to do in the process. And I I just am fully confident that we've gotta get to that. You know, I was at this meeting two weeks ago and I was with these leaders, and I'm in this backyard, and and we're prophesying over these these leaders. I had not met them, and there was one woman that I'm prophesying over, and I take a risk, and I'm telling her her life, and talking about her future, and all this kind of crazy stuff, and and as I'm prophesying over her, she's smiling, and crying, and yes, agreeing, and then at the end of it, she says, can I ask you a question? And I rarely get someone in the middle of me prophesying say, hey, can I ask you a question about that? You know, I'm like, "I, I don't know. Are we allowed to do this? Okay, ask me a question, and so she says, you know, I lead a lot of people. I'm a professional. I have 12 staff members. I lead a, you know, a whole, I'm an engineer. We have all this stuff I, I run. She said, but I, I, I fight fear of being able to do what I can do. I, I fight that I'm gonna miss something. I'm gonna make the wrong decision. I fight that, I fight that I, I'm not set up to do it well. And, I, and as I'm talking, she goes, what do you think I should do? And as I'm talking to her, I realized this. Many of us. Deal with shame because we have a title or position, but we still deal with the fear in it. And so we assume that when we had the position or we had the opportunity, we wouldn't be fearful anymore. Like we would, we would be, we'd be bigger than that. We'd be better than that. We'd be, at 36, I shouldn't be dealing with am I significant? I shouldn't be dealing if I have what it takes. I shouldn't be dealing with should I have it? No, no, I should And so we deal with shame. Some of you deal with shame because you're in your 30s or 40s and you're like, I should know what I'm doing with my life. And I don't. Or I shouldn't be dealing with insecurity. I shouldn't be dealing with fear. I shouldn't be dealing. And I'm saying, you need to be kind to yourself. You've never been here before. You've never done this before. You've never been this age. You've never been married this long. You've never had this many kids. You've never had this kind of leadership around you. You've never been where you are right now. And many times we will critique ourselves for not having all the answers in a season we've never been in. How many of you ever found that to be true? And so we will ridicule ourselves. Well, I thought I'd be better than this. Why? Because you fantasize that your life would be better than it is. And how many of you know that reality is very is, 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 it assaults our fantasy worlds? And we assume, well, when I'm a pastor, then I'll be, I'll be courageous. No, you won't. If you don't deal with fear now, you're going to deal with fear there. Well, I'll be pure when I'm married. No, you won't. If you don't deal with your purity now, you will not be pure in marriage. How do I know that? Because we work with a lot of people. And a ring on a finger... And someone laying next to you is not going to keep you pure because purity is a heart issue. It's not a sex issue. So we, we sometimes shame ourselves in these moments. And I, if I had someone talking to me 17 years ago, I would have wanted someone to tell me, Havilah, would you be kind to yourself? Would you realize that you don't know what you need? that you probably will never know what you need, that God knows what you need, and you're gonna be okay. I wish somebody would have told me uh, that that you need to have grace for the season you're in. And some of you, I would say, you you deal with this kind of, well, I already know what to do, I'm fine. I don't deal with fear. I Fear comes in all kinds of ways. And sometimes, It can mask itself in performance. It can mask itself and I've got it together. It can mask itself and I'm always the victim. I'm never gonna be powerful. And I'm just simply saying, it's the enemy of your destiny. It's the thing that will keep you from being powerful. And if you have fear, you will make decisions and treat people poorly because you're fearful. And some of you are at the top of your game right now and, and you're fearful that you're, you're not gonna always be at the top of your game. And I'm saying you, you probably won't be. You just be who you're called to be right now. You love people where you're at right now and you get that out of your life and God will continue to help you grow and, 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 and build. The truth is that you've been given a spirit of a sound mind. The Bible says in Psalms 34:4, it says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. There's another fear that I didn't put up on the screen, but there's another fear I think that we that's kind of going throughout the church, and that is, are we going to be relevant forever? How can we be relevant? Am I all, am I gonna have a voice in this generation? Are people gonna listen to me? Is there a relevance? And I remember at one point in my life with the Lord, I remember telling the Lord, you know, I, I, I battled with insecurity because I didn't feel very revelatory. You ever felt that way? Like, I didn't feel like, and you, know, you go around people and everything they say is like should be written in the Bible. You're like, that should be in the Bible. Like, you're better than Paul. Like, Paul is okay, but like you're amazing, you know, or you know, certain people that when they, you ask them for counsel, it's like it's it's like out of a book. Like they just they just say something and you're like, that is the most profound thing I've ever heard in my entire life. And you're just passively saying that. Like, how amazing are you? And I remember, you know, battling with this fear of like, I'm I'm not that smart, I'm not that great. I'm doing the best I can. And I remember saying that to the Lord I, I just want to be revelatory, I want to be amazing. And the Lord said to me very gently but firmly, he said, "You know Havilah, you don't need to be revelatory. I am revelatory. you don't need to be powerful. I'm powerful. you don't need to be amazing. I'm amazing And it was just this kind of part of that responsibility shift or we begin to realize my responsibility is not to gather. If you're a pastor in the room, let me say something. Your job is not to gather. You go, what are you talking about? What I mean is this. Your job is to be powerful where you are. Your job is to be obedient. Your job is to be, is to be the most like God that you can and be in the characteristic that he's given you. And your job is to operate in faith and freedom and grace and operate in power. And then God says, if you lift him up, the Bible says, I will draw all men unto me, which means it's his responsibility to draw people. You go, well, I want to be amazing in this. Your job is to be obedient. Your job is to give God all you have. Your job is to recognize fear. And what's amazing is, listen, and I hope that you get this. You're pretty quiet tonight. I got to be honest. You're a little more quiet than I'm used to. What's, are you guys okay? All right. I'm Italian. You have to talk to me. I have to feel loved. No, you're not responsible for that. Um. It's amazing how kind, what kind of fear you feel in different seasons of your life. You ever felt that? And what's amazing is people will look to you for the faith. Well, you're the leader. I mean, you should have tons of faith. And what I've learned is that I don't always have to feel faith. I just have to do it afraid. Most of what you will do in life, you will do not because you're skilled, but because you're just crazy enough to do it. Most of it, you're not gonna have, well, I knew exactly what to do in that because I've been prepared. I had, you know, all the classes. You don't know what you're doing. And the sooner you learn that, the safer you're going to be. Really, the sooner you learn, I don't know what tomorrow's gonna look like. The Bible says you're unwise to plan tomorrow. You're unwise to think you know exactly what you're gonna do and this is how it's all gonna work out. The Bible says don't do it serve, be obedient, do exactly. You can plan. The Bible says you can plan, but he directs us, which means he can do whatever he wants to do. And the the Bible says there are many plans in a man's heart, but he is the one that directs them. He's the one that leads us. And I guess what I want to ask you tonight to consider is, are there areas in your life that you have bought into fear? Are there things that have been a payoff for you? Are, Are you still battling with the do I have what it takes? If you are, then you know what? That's okay. But you can't stay there. If you stay there, you, won't be, you will never be powerful. You'll always, somebody next to you will always pass you up because you'll be sitting at the, do I have what it takes? Some of you tonight, you're at the place where you feel like people, everyone around you thinks, who do you think you are? And you have this fear that you don't have the character to sustain you. And I'm telling you tonight that just the fact that you're concerned about your character makes you more qualified than you think you are. Just the fact that you would be aware enough to go, do I have integrity? Am I a woman or a man of humility? Just the fact that you're asking that question tells me a lot more about who you really are on the inside. And don't believe the lie of the enemy that says you have to be perfect to be used. That's a lie from the pit of hell. You don't have to be perfect. You just, have to be, you just have to be who God's called you to be and deal with things quickly, be humble, work hard, do what's in front of you to do, and the Bible says he will lift us up. The, the last fear that I think a lot of us deal with is this, this kind of part of us that says it has to be perfect for it to be successful. It's kind of like this part of us that believes, I've been in the Lord for 17, 20 years. I should be past this. And it, it, it takes our breath away. It takes, I mean, there are things that I go, I should be past this. And then I live in shame because I'm like, well, I should be better than this. And what I have to do is say, no, 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 no. I didn't know I was going to be here. I didn't know what it was like to raise four boys in, in six and under. I didn't even know how we got them. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I figured it out. But listen, <laughs> I, I don't know how to run two ministries. I don't know how to be married for nine years plus. I don't know how to be at Bethel. I don't know how to be a a woman as a speaker. I've never done this before. I, I don't, no one is gonna help. No one's gonna be able to help me. They don't have my history. They don't know where I'm going. They can love the heck out of me. They can tell me a little bit. But let me tell you, even if I was to sit with you for a couple hours today, I would not be able to give you more than the Holy Spirit could give you. Because he, I, do, I don't have the tools to give you that. Only he has the tools to give you what you need. And I have, I have found very often that it's not so much what someone says, but it's what you hear. How many of you have found that to be true? You could be the most brilliant person, but if the person doesn't want to hear what you have to say, you are, it's worthless. And some of you right now, the spirit of God is speaking to you and you know why he's speaking to you? Because your heart wants him. Because you're hungry for him. Some of you tonight, you're gonna have dreams. And in those dreams, God's gonna speak to you about your future. Some of you tonight, you're gonna go and someone's gonna pray for you and we're about to pray for some people and speak some things. And God's gonna say exactly what you needed to hear and you're gonna go, it sounded really simple, but you know it's exactly what I needed to hear. If I could just love on all of you, and I would say this because we're at a leadership conference and if we were at a church, I'd do it differently, but I just wanna say as another young woman in the trenches just like you guys are because that's what I am. I'm just another woman, just another 36-year-old girl that's on the other side just digging the trench, trying to build the kingdom just like you are wherever I am. I would say to you, have grace on yourself. We're all learning. We're gonna get there but don't let fear stop you from being the man or woman you're called to be. Be courageous, be bold, do it afraid. Don't let the opinion of man stop you. Don't let the praises lift you up. They will come and go. You'd be amazed in between, sandwiched in between emails are, you're amazing and then who do you think you are? Right in the same email box. And do those things affect me? Sometimes. Sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. But you know, even if it does, I'm not gonna shame myself for feeling like it shouldn't affect me. Does that make sense? Like we have to get off this track that says because we are amazing, this shouldn't affect us. Listen, I have a God that, that, that identifies with all of my weakness. And he knows exactly what I need. And I trust his leadership. God loves you. If you hear nothing else, he knows exactly where you're at.
0: We hope you feel encouraged after listening to this message today, and if you did, make sure you take a screenshot of this episode, share it on socials, and tag us at Truth2Table. Remember when we said Havla will be releasing her new Bible study soon? It's almost here! Pre-orders are right around the corner, and so is a big announcement about Truth Academy. You are not going to want to miss it, so make sure you're on our email list. Go subscribe at truthtotable.com and follow us on our socials. Stay tuned for next week's special podcast interview and an incredible way to start your holiday season. We'll see you then.